Hey, Petra Kate here. Seems like we had some audio issues with my audio, so if you hear an echo, sorry about that. Welcome to Interesting Choices, a podcast where we look at media all across the spectrum and look at the interesting choices that they make. I'm one of your hosts, Kate. And I'm Sky. Hey, Sky. Hey, Kate. So, we have another special episode this week. Holiday episodes. I don't know if we're going to turn two weird TV show episodes into a thing, but we're doing it today, so. I think it works for big holidays, but it doesn't work so good for things like Arbor Day. (laughs) But this time around, for all of the people that are really into the annual chocolate flowers greeting cards weird stuffed animals that you buy at the gas station at the last minute holiday <laughs> we have a very special valentine's day episode for you Mm-hmm. yep we're checking out another episode of the x-files and looking at a new show which one should we start with uh let's go ahead and start with the x-files episode again because i feel like it's a tried and true sort of <laughs> Standard thing to talk about. Uh, The other episode is just wild. And (laughs) I feel like it's a good way to end out on that. Yeah, that was both more and less than I remember it being. But I didn't know that the X-Files had a Valentine's Day episode until I searched for X-Files Valentine's Day episode. And weirdly enough, uh, only like 10 minutes of the show take place on Valentine's Day. The rest of it's in August, I think. It's about love. The best and worst kind of love, unrequited love. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty Mulder and Scully light episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one definitely focuses on the ensemble cast, and it's a good thing because I love these people. Yeah, they're really good. So the entire plot revolves around this small town in Kansas where they've been having a drought and all the farmers are feeling real pressed. And they're all upset about it. But Valentine's Day rolls around and this one local news station lady uh, is getting ready for a date with her beau. It's implied that he's a farmer or something, but he doesn't seem to do much. Yeah, you don't really get a good sense of what people do, except for a couple specific ones in this episode. And honestly, I didn't realize it until I thought about it later, which is to me the mark of good storytelling when I don't start asking those questions until a while after I finish the episode. Mm hmm. But yeah, she is dating slash engaged to who I started calling Dime Store Bill Paxton, (laughs) but who is actually kind of a joy to watch on screen. He's one of those characters that you love to hate because he's just the worst. Yeah, Daryl Moots. Daryl Moots. Yep. And uh, the woman is Sheila Fontaine, played by Victoria Jackson. Notoriously problematic Victoria Jackson. Oh, no, I hadn't heard about that. Oh, yeah. She's deeply conservative and very racist. Oh, I feel bad. <laughs> I liked her in UHF. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, you know, art and artist, we've had this discussion a couple times. Yeah. She's spoken at Tea Party rallies. Uh, she has published things about her Muslim neighbors uh, that are oh, no. here. Just look her up if you are somehow morbidly curious about how your beloved 80s and 90s TV and movie <laughs> stars uh, have ended turned up. out to be real pieces of shit. Yeah, I can think of one um, person who has gone to Herculean lengths to be a real <laughs> piece of shit. Uh, but 
Regardless, uh, um, she does turn in a very good performance in this episode. I don't know. I, I felt like it was probably the weakest one in the episode, which isn't saying a lot, but I feel less bad about saying that now. Yeah. I mean, she's she's competent uh, and all the other characters are far better. But her personal politics aside, she she turns in a performance that is fine. Like there's nothing objectionable about it. And we sort of meet the the rest of the characters. There's only really one other one that makes a lot of appearances in the show. We sort of briefly meet the mayor and I'm assuming his daughter and then Daryl's new squeeze later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's after the heart shaped hail and the, the car crash. Yeah. So basically the entire thing revolves around this love triangle thing that kind of has happened where. Uh, Sheila, who is kind of the center of this triangle, is engaged to this trash dude named Daryl, who is dime store Bill Paxton. And Mm -hmm. um, she really wants to get married. And she has set up this super elaborate thing on Valentine's Day because she knows that he's going to propose to her. And she's even gone as far as publishing it in the local paper. Uh, But he's a garbage bag and uh, he's upset by all of this. And says some really nasty things to her before. Yeah, he's just like the worst, the literal worst. Yeah, like he's so terrible. Like the main thing he gets upset about when he gets there is that she put a, an engagement announcement in the paper and he wanted to wait until he said it was OK, which I'm like, what the hell are you waiting for? First of all, spoilers, uh, it's never going to be the right time because uh, he's a trash yeah. bag. Yes. <laughs> And we learn later that he's just really only after her for her money because he's a garbage man. Yeah, we never find out why she has money or where it comes from. She's just a moneyed individual in Kansas. I think she might own the TV station because I don't see her doing a whole lot around it. That's true. Yeah, she she does something at the TV station, but like she's never like doing boss stuff you get the sense that she has a nice big office and maybe she's like a manager there or something and when she points she goes through files for a presentation but Mm -hmm. but yeah he gets mad at her he storms off into a cloudless dry sky and as he's driving um you see he has a cooler full of just empty beer cans and he finds a full one cracks open while he's driving and just starts driving. He's the worst. Yeah. We don't need to go through every single scene, but I did want to go through this one specifically because it just he's the worst. Yeah, he's probably had that cooler in the passenger seat since high school. It seems like I'm going to say it right now. He does not deserve that cherry Mustang that he wrecks. Mm-hmm. The sky opens up. It starts raining. He's like, oh, my gosh. He rolls down the window because it's the first rain he's seen in a long time. But he's drunk. And so as the rain gets harder, hail starts falling. He just keeps driving <laughs> instead of doing the reasonable thing and slowing, dr- and slowing down and pulling off to the side of the road. He just like decides he could just keep plowing through it and then ends up plowing right into a telephone pole, uh, a single car accident. And it didn't look like that bad of an accident to me. Yeah. And like he was still conscious enough to like roll down the window, which was really weird because like this hail was shattering the windshield. And he's like, I'm going to open up the door and and stick my head out and greet the hail. And still keep driving. Like Mm -hmm. none of this made any sense. 
Oh, and just to hammer in how much of a shitbag he is, when he leaves, he makes a crack about Sheila's butt, and uh, she tells him she's pretty sure it's going to rain soon, she can feel it, and then he mocks her when she's out of earshot and he's walking towards the car. I don't even know why he leaves in that whole situation, it's just so weird. Uh, because that's the sort of guy he is. He he basically fails as things get hard. He's a garbage man, but um, yeah, you see that like the hail <laughs> is like heart-shaped, and... It's cute, but I guess he loses his leg in the accident, which you learn later. And I do not believe mm-hmm. that because that did not look like uh, an accident where you could lose your leg. Yeah. Judging by the angle of impact, like that was passenger side. Like he kind of skidded into the telephone pole. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly how. Well, it's an older car. It might have jammed up onto his. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> my, my brain's gone into puzzle solving. It's a small town. Maybe he had gotten infected and they had to cut it off. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just willing to chalk it up to like. uh, He deserved it. (laughs) Yeah. Regardless, (laughs) that is a choice that they made. They're like, yep, we're going to we're going to make him lose his leg because. Yep. Fuck him. Uh, So the next thing we see of this town are Mulder and Scully. They land and the mayor comes out to greet them and he's got a trucker hat on and a ribbon bolo tie and i really want to assume his daughter is doing like a baton dance to greet them yeah i'd like that uh, they brought their own boom box out <laughs> so she could have music solo to do this like little majorette performance yeah but they're there because there have been reports that there is a man there who can control the weather yeah and scully like i love scully but she should not have to put up with this shit. And like, it's her own fault that she is there. She she's like, OK, you didn't tell me why we're here. And I put my yeah. trust in you that it was something worth actually looking for. But the reason that she learns that they're there is that Mulder's flimsy excuse for bringing out the <laughs> FBI for this guy that can make the weather is that maybe he's making the drought, too. And that would be and a and that's crime. a crime. Yeah. Like literally from what it sounds like, the mayor straight up called the FBI. Mulder picked up the phone himself, said, OK, we're going. And then just said, told Scully to hop in a plane. Yeah. And she's like, sure, whatever. I understand that Scully has been through enough of these things at this point. This is season six, episode eight, that she's like, OK, there's there's bound to be something here. There usually always is. But at the same time, Mulder has wasted a lot of her time on nonsense throughout the years. <laughs> but yeah, it turns out the man controlling the weather is none other than noted human crap bag Daryl Moots, who has dubbed himself the Rain King. Yeah, like the dude is set up uh, like a store. <laughs> A storefront on like their main street in this like empty office and he's hired some farmer's daughter to be his secretary slash love interest because yeah and she she is a 90s fashion disaster yeah she's actually so spot on for like small town 90s girl with ambitions of being something bigger than just a farmer's daughter, but not any bigger than <laughs> the wife of a scummy dude. Yeah, and that office was like, I don't know who did the production design on it. It was spot on for someone who doesn't know what rich is, but wanted to appear rich. Mm-hmm. They even got the incorporated as part of the business title. 
Yeah, it's really good. It's the sort of thing that you would see from like a fly by night tax preparer or something. <laughs> it is all the pomp and circumstance that you would kind of like look at in a big city and be like, oh, no, this is shady as hell. But in a small town, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, he's got like a fountain and there's plants everywhere. And the business's title is in big letters right up behind the secretary. And she's got a half moon desk and she's doing that classic TV secretary bit where she's on the phone while the FBI is trying to ask her questions. Yeah, like the whole thing is that Daryl's been selling his services of making it rain on people's farms because Mm -hmm. he's been followed around by a rain cloud for the past like three months or three to six months ever since the accident yeah when you see him go to do his thing it's the first time you've seen him after the accident in the episode and he is dressed exactly how i thought he would be dressed he has a denim suit with a cowboy shirt a wire bow low tie and red snakeskin boots Including a red snakeskin boot on his prosthetic leg, which he doesn't wear until he gets to the tent and has his long suffering, but like way into it. Girlfriend slash secretary put it on him and he treats her badly, too. God, this guy sucks. Yeah. Uh Uh, But he has like the small tent revival preacher thing down to a T. It was horrifying and hilarious to watch. Yeah, I've I've seen so many guys like that on tv or like like in the community where i lived like i grew up in florida so you got a lot of those like shady creatures <laughs> coming through all the time trying to like swindle old people out of their money yeah i really want to touch on like his whole thing because like it really seems like he just does whatever the fuck comes into his head until the rain starts as he goes into a spiel about being 164th Cherokee and he summons up his ancestors to bring the rains and he's dancing to a boombox poorly I have no doubt in my mind that anyone who actually was missing a leg could outdance him and then he's ripping up handfuls of grass and looking at him and then throwing them and then it rains yeah a lot of the spectacle there is for the show right like he's a showman Mm -hmm. he is weirdly charismatic in his con man type of way (laughs) um and but he does produce results accidentally just because he is followed Mm -hmm. slowly around by this personal rain cloud the whole plot revolves around the tv station weirdly enough where Mm -hmm. it's like weatherman who grew up in the town uh and is in love with sheila has been he went off to study and he came back because he was in love with her and wanted to be there with her and so you know, this is where the unrequited love comes in. Yeah, he's a very typical sad pine boy, but he seems really smart. Like they do a good job of conveying that. There's also like this running gag at starts when the mayor greets Mulder and Scully and then continues on where everyone just assumes their husband and wife and that Scully isn't an agent. <laughs> yeah, just kind of like, Ugh, but it's small town. So they do kind of call it out. They're like Sheila and Holman is the weatherman's name. Um, they individually mm-hmm. go over to Scully and Mulder respectively and they're like, wait, you two aren't dating? Why are you not dating? Like, the other person's hot and smart and like, what are you doing? 
Yeah, it's that whole small town mentality of there's only so many people. So if you find one that's good, uh, grab them. I do like how Mulder and Scully both kind of are like no comment. <laughs> like they don't actually say anything, but them not saying anything says a lot. Well, uh, Mulder has a great line like later when he's talking to Holman. He's like, I enjoy my friendship with Scully. <laughs> it, he says it in the same tone. You'd be like, I enjoy my relationship with my houseplant. <laughs> yeah. There's this whole weird thing where uh, <laughs> Sheila's afraid that she's controlling the weather because, like, all these bad things happen to her on important days in her life. Like, her prom date was ruined by a tornado destroying the school. Uh, her wedding, it, there was snow. Like, her birthday. On the 4th of July. Yeah, on the 4th of July. Her birthday had, like, a, a shower of rose petals or whatever. Like, it's so she's like, no, it's definitely me. And like these agents are going to come and get me and I just want them to leave. And so that night Mulder's in his hotel room and he like can't sleep. So he looks out the window and like <laughs> that scene was so ridiculous because like <laughs> he hears some weather and he looks out, he sees a field of cows. And then one of the cows just gets like swept up into the sky by this like. I guess tornado, but it just looked like it, it was just levitated. Yeah, uh, it was some real choice 90s CG cow action. Yeah. Uh, and then it gets dropped right into his room. Like right onto his bed. And yeah, it is so terrible. Like the plastic cow <laughs> that they got to put in his bed uh, looked garbage. <laughs> Yeah, like you only see it for like a second or two, but even then you can see like the the fake cow leather. It's that weird, bad taxidermy kind of thing, you know, and it's rigid. So <laughs> like it doesn't look <laughs> like an animal corpse that like fell. It just looked like someone dropped a plastic display cow on someone's bed. Yeah, they took like one of those fiberglass models from like a mini golf course and then dropped it through the roof. <laughs> yeah, and then this kicks off this whole thing where like Sheila feels guilty and Mulder reassures her that it's not her and that she didn't cause the weather and so she falls in love with him. Yeah. <laughs> because he, to be fair, he's the most eligible bachelor in the entire town at this point. As it turns out, the one controlling the weather is the weatherman. It's pretty on the nose. Scully doesn't really do anything this episode other than be like, oh, Mulder, and I want to leave Mulder, and <laughs> are you sure, Mulder? Like, that's her entire role, and she's really <laughs> underutilized. Yeah, she doesn't get to do a whole lot, and it kind of sucks, honestly. But, I mean, that's the way it is in these kind of episodes, but we do get, like, a, a cast of three characters to enjoy while we're not getting enough Scully, so, you know, it kind of evens out, I guess. Mm -hmm. The rest of it revolves around this, like, high school reunion dance that's supposed to happen, and Mulder <laughs> confronts the weatherman. He's like, you gotta tell her that you care about her because you're killing this town. It, you're definitely causing the drought. You're causing all these tornadoes and stuff. You just, you gotta, you gotta speak your emotions, man. 
Yeah, the way they explain it is like how sad seasonal affective disorder, the weather affects people's emotions. In this case, it's the opposite. Holman's emotions are affecting the weather. He doesn't really have conscious control of it, (laughs) which is really weird when you think about the heart shaped tail and the cow cannon. Yeah, he's kind of like the worst carry, I guess. Yeah, but like the whole, I don't know how like the final quarter, how long it was reminded me a little bit of the end of Back to the Future where they're trying to get the two people together at a high school dance. Mm -hmm. Because it's in Kansas, the reunion's theme is Wizard of Oz. Of course it is. I do like that after Mulder confronts Holman, the rain stops for Daryl because oh yeah Mulder learns that Daryl was drunk when he had the accident and they should have arrested him but the local cops were like "Mm, he's been punished enough I guess so yeah the whole reason it was raining around Daryl is because Holman felt guilty because he had caused the hail that he thought caused Daryl to crash when really Daryl was a drunk douchebag yep because of that, the Rain King dried up and he ended up being sued by a bunch of people and everyone <laughs> bailed on him except for his secretary, who was still standing by his side, even though he had nothing. And the guy like turns around and he's like, mm, I've got an idea of how to like get back on my feet. I'm going to try to seduce Sheila again because she has money and I need money. So bye, babe. He says nothing personal and then dumps her. While wearing a gold watch that he probably could have sold. Yeah, the guy is garbage, but it does set up the sort of ending scene where all of the players are coming together. And, you know, Daryl's trying to get in with Sheila and trying to fight Mulder multiple times. He like assaults a federal agent numerous times and nothing happens to him. I mean, he gets handcuffed for a hot minute, but, you know, that's it. Yeah. Uh, He still ends up with a relatively happy ending, I guess, with this (laughs) very young girl who is doting over him. Yeah. And I think the episode wants to get across that he's learned the error of his ways, but he's not he's not that kind of person. Like if you've ever met anyone like him, they don't learn. Mm -hmm. The rain comes. Holman eventually confesses his love to Sheila, who is like, oh, yeah, I love you, too, but I'm in love with Mulder. And I guess the rest of the episode spent them convincing her that she can love someone that she considers a friend. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Which, coming from Scully, (laughs) (laughs) it's a weird weird thing. Yeah, it's like the writers were talking through the characters to try to get the characters to talk to themselves. I I kind of liked it, but also... uh, (laughs) It felt very disingenuous <laughs> coming from Scully. Like, I would not I would not take that advice from her. Yeah. <laughs> There's a fun couple visual puns, though, to round out the episode. Holman and Sheila get together and they kiss in front of a mural and there's a rainbow between them. They have a real rainbow connection. Yikes. <laughs> At the end of the episode, there's that time skip. And you see them two happily together and outside there's like a rainbow and it shows that like Holman's just been predicting like regular weather. It's like, oh, it's it's a beautiful sunny day with a 30 percent chance of rain. Like the weather's returned to normal. Everything's returned to normal. And the rainbow outside is some of the worst, worst compositing I've ever seen. And a really bad uh, composited bluebird flies over the rainbow. In general, the compositing in this episode is pretty low quality. It's a very 90s compositing, very 90s network TV. 
But I mean, all in all, it's a fun episode. I do enjoy the lighter hearted X-Files episodes. And I mean, you can do worse than this one. Yeah. Uh, apparently, this episode was a spec script written by some rando who sent them to the show. <laughs> and they're like, OK, uh, these are pretty good. I guess we'll buy this one as a freelance script. And then they kind of like storyboarded <laughs> it out and then pitched it. And then it just like became a thing uh and then of course daryl stole the show because daryl is such a ridiculous character yeah originally he wasn't in it a whole lot and then they wrote more scenes for it also the town that was the stand-in for the little kansas town ended up being reused for the christmas episode we did it was the highest rated episode of season six and the last episode to be viewed by more than 20 million viewers this was literally the peak of the x-files yeah, January 10th, 1999. Mm-hmm. We move on from network grown-up television to network teen television. So this is a show that I literally have never watched and know only two things about. Uh, one, the main character is a boy. And two, there's a, a girl <laughs> with a weird name. And that's it. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking about Boy Meets World Season 5, Episode 15, First Girlfriends Club. I watched it, I wouldn't say a lot as a teenager, or not even a teenager, that was 98. It went on for about seven seasons, so I was a teenager by the time it ended. Mm -hmm. That's a different story, but yeah. Fred Savage's brother plays Corey, you've got him and his girlfriend Topanga. It's a love story for the 90s, and then the two early 2000s, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, this show is really is a, a touchstone for a lot of 90s kids, I feel like. Yeah, I, I definitely could see that. Uh, this was a little after my time. So although I think technically I am contemporary with a lot of the actors in age, but this is not something I watched when I was growing up. I think it was on Disney or something. Yeah, it was uh, on Disney Channel. Yeah, I literally uh. never watched any Disney Channel live shows. So this was my first introduction to Boy Meets World, and it was a weird one. <laughs> this is one of the few episodes that really stuck with me whole hog plot wise, because uh, it's kind of out there for what it is for being a teen show. Like It kind of feels more like a TGIF vibe a little bit, but I don't know. It's going to be a little hard because there's a lot of characters and they all have names. It's a pretty simple <laughs> setup though right it literally can be summarized in like five sentences yeah do you want to go for it uh i'll just go ahead and read the summary off wikipedia because <laughs> it's shorter than that it's valentine's day and sean's jilted exes are so sure he'll ruin his date with angela that they kidnap him to keep him from hurting her meanwhile Corey lands in trouble with topanga after she reads a letter to him from lauren the cute mountain girl assigned to take care of him in the previous episode i, just, I don't remember that but yeah, they're not really on again, off again as a couple. They're sort of always on until they kind of put drama in for the sake of I don't know, sweeps really falls into the trope that is dear and dear to my heart. The couple that's just a good couple. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot to the overall plot. The acting's good enough for what it is. It's kind of wild because they do just straight up kidnap someone. Yeah. So if this was the opening of a horror movie, I'd be like, this is going to get real wild. <laughs> 
And it almost does, but since it's a Disney Channel show for literal children, it never goes as badly as it could. But, you know, anything that starts with a bunch of jilted lovers kidnapping someone and imprisoning them against their will, boy, boy, (laughs) this is a weird thing for children, honestly. Yeah, yeah. They make a couple light BDSM jokes. Yeah. When he gets handcuffed to a ladder, he's lured to a boathouse, Sean is, and handcuffed to a ladder, and they sort of have a, a faux trial where they air their grievances. Meanwhile, because Corey's Vega are such an item, the school newspaper is hounding Topanga for comments, and probably the worst joke I've ever heard where she just calls the guy with the camera a Jimmy Olsen freak. It's like, that's that's literally just for the audience. No one in that scene would get that. Mm-hmm. But there are some good jokes, definitely. Yeah, like, I don't know the name of one of the older kids, but, like, the fact that he was, like, just openly flying his kink flag the entire episode and to the point where he, like, steals the handcuffs at the end for personal <laughs> use <laughs> is uh, a choice from the Disney staff. And I'm surprised they let it go. Yeah, it's just kind of funny how much of that episode flew under the radar for some reason. Yeah, it was wild. There was one vaguely transphobic joke that Corey makes uh, when one of Sean's exes says something to him. He insinuates things about her because she's tall, but I love her. She's great. And like, I was like, for me, she had the best performance. She's this like great deadpan the entire time. And I was like, I'm getting serious queer vibes from this girl. Turns out I was right. Later on, she ends up being in the L word and she's openly bisexual and she's dope as hell. And I love her. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. And she kind of snags one of the older siblings when they come to rescue Sean. And she's just sort of playing with his hair and making him agree with them. (laughs) Yeah, for an episode that revolves so much around like, hey, we're going to imprison this guy, put him on trial for all of his crimes against all of these ladies. It resolves very patly. Nobody suffers really any consequences except Corey. Yeah, I think it had a a good enough ending, honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sean decides that he wants to start over with Angela because he realizes he's been kind of crappy up to that point. He wants to be friends with her first and let the relationship develop from there. From what I've read, they don't actually get back together again until season seven, but that's another story. And Corey, he wants to pretend the whole lying thing never happened and that does not fly. And he ends up alone on Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting that he ended up there um, because he he believed like firmly that Topanga would come and like, you know, be with him and and they would patch things up. But like his friends just got to sit and watch him be sad and alone until closing time on Valentine's. Also, the restaurant they go to is called Chubby's and I could not resist giggling every time anyone said it. (laughs) Yeah, they said it a lot, actually. Like, no, she's definitely going to be at Chubby's. Chubby's, Chubby's, Chubby's. We go to Chubby's to recreate our first date. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of out there for a Boy of the Weeks World episode. There's another one, I think, in the same season where they sort of do a spoof on Scream because Corey and Topanga still aren't together. That's also kind of along the same lines. There aren't as many light BDSM jokes in it. (laughs) This was a really interesting way of getting introduced to the show, to be honest. Like, I was curious. (laughs) It definitely made me interested in finding out what happened all the way up to this. My partner kind of filled me in on a lot of the character relationship details. 
because otherwise I would have been utterly lost. But mm-hmm. yeah, I had to brush up a bunch because I couldn't remember how everyone was related. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, like Sean lives with his half brother and his roommate, who's Corey's brother. And then I think that's the main cast there but honestly a lot of it really just kind of hammered on for me how much tv made you think high school was going to matter and how much it mattered at the time and how little it matters since then definitely it i do not regret no longer being a teenager where everything <laughs> was the most important and you thought that all of the relationships that you had back then were going to be forever. And like, it, it's kind of sweet looking back at that time. Uh, like the nostalgia is like, wow, OK, <laughs> yes. So for anybody that's listening to this that might be under the age of 20, um, enjoy it while it lasts, because you will not remember any of these people. <laughs> I mean, I'm still in contact with a lot of my friends from high school. That's the one thing I can say about it is that I made a lot of good friends in high school and we're still friends to this day and they helped me become the person I am. That's so I'm yeah, I'm grateful for that. I have never in my life used algebra, so don't sweat it. I've used algebra a lot, actually. (laughs) But that's because uh, if you are doing any sort of crafting or woodworking, uh, you need to like measure and and calculate volumes and and surface areas and stuff so like yeah i just eyeball it but you know that doesn't that doesn't work for a lot of people yep including me so yeah (laughs) that's fair um a couple things that like i guess as someone that has never watched the show kind of stood out for me Mm -hmm. the fact that the school has like a couch in the middle of their hallway that's labeled for seniors only is wild yeah, like even at my high school, there was like a, a sort of like a lounge thing, but that was for the school council. OK, there wasn't really just like a senior's couch. And I'm pretty sure one of the vending machines behind it was a cigarette machine. Yeah, that they just kind of took all the cigarettes out of and hope no one would notice. Yeah, I definitely noticed that. And I was like, what is this school? But <laughs> it definitely had that saved by the bell hallway vibe where everything's just like a little too bright and a little too wide and there are students milling about but it just doesn't feel like a high school yeah it doesn't feel like a throughway it just feels like a room that's meant to look like it's a throughway mm-hmm. which is fine it's whatever but uh i just imagine that a lot of the episodes take place half in this hallway yeah A lot of the show takes place in the high school hallway with the couch. I should note for fans of the show, Mr. Feeney does not show up. Repeat, this is a Feeney-less episode, so don't get your hopes up. He's mentioned at the beginning, though. I guess Alex Mack is in this episode? I was going to say, because like one of the girlfriends was giving me serious Larissa Olenek vibes, and I did not look it up. (laughs) Like, nah, it can't be. It's like, oh, yep, Secret World of Alex Mack. Are those shows related in any way? Uh, Boy Meets World and The Secret World of Alex Mack? Yeah. No, that actress is just in both of them. Okay, I just wasn't sure. <laughs> no, yes. Alex Mack was Nickelodeon, so. Ah, all right. That's another one I did not watch. So. Also, she didn't use her superpowers on Sean, so I, I feel like had she access to them, she probably would have zappy fingered him or something. Sure. <laughs> the only ones of these tween slash teen shows I ever watched were like Clarissa Explains It All, Blossom, and Saved by the Bell. 
I dipped my toes in a lot of them. Clarissa explains it all was a huge favorite. I had a big crush on Melissa Joan Hart, which I don't anymore mm-hmm. for reasons. Boy Meets World, Secret World of Alex Mack. There was like a detective show with like a teen detective Asian girl on Nickelodeon. I don't remember the name of, but it was pretty fun. I think Pat Morita was in on, on it as a grandfather or something. I could be remembering that wrong. I hope I'm not because I love Pat Morita. <laughs> I vaguely remember that one, but I don't remember what it was called. Oh, gosh. I wish I could remember. And then Space Cases. Oh, Space Cases. It's like the magic school bus meets Lost in Space. Uh, the Mystery Files of Shelby Wu. There we go. I watched a lot of that one right up until there was an episode where one of the clues she uses is that someone reaches for wasabi because they were dressing up as the monsters. So they were used to reaching for the monster's green gloves. So they automatically reached for the green sauce. Just like, okay, sure. Sure. <laughs> Mysteries are hard is, is something I, <laughs> I will say. Mysteries are hard. And if you have to write 41 episodes of mysteries uh, at some point, you just mm-hmm. kind of just go for it. And yes, Pat Morita yeah. was in The Mystery Files of Shelby Lou. Yes! Uh, <laughs> it, like many things, fall victim to the whole this is for kids, we don't really have to try syndrome, which is just like, it's just being lazy and trying to excuse yourself. Like, kids notice. I noticed. Mm-hmm. And it's especially noticeable when you're, you've grown up and you remember noticing kid. Yeah, and definitely the casting was very much, uh, well... You know, the character is Chinese, but we'll cast uh, <laughs> we'll cast people from all over that are Asian because there's only like a handful of Asian actors in Hollywood at this point in history. So uh, and yeah. anyone that's vaguely Asian, come on, be on the show as one of her relatives. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. 90s TV and to a lesser degree, early 2000s TV. I mean, they're, they're still doing it. <laughs> that's fine. That's true. But yeah. Uh, Valentine's Day TV episodes, unlike Christmas or other holidays like Halloween that have clearly defined symbolism and and themes around them that like people really celebrate. The general theme seems to be just love and all of the weird ways that it can express itself. Yeah. And all the heart shaped things we try to give each other for whatever reason mm-hmm. around the holiday. But that brings me to one question I thought of. If you could have a weird, uncontrollable superpower, what would it be? Oh, boy. A weird, uncontrollable superpower. Uh, I guess I would really like the ability to just have warm feet whenever I wanted to. Because, like, my feet get really cold. <laughs> the winter and so like if my feet could just be warm all the time i could walk around outside barefoot and just be like the worst person (laughs) it'd be very good here in seattle because like people frown upon you for wearing socks with sandals but i could wear sandals all year round Mm -hmm. no more socks uh and i'm gonna be honest i thought of that question without thinking of what i would want so i'm gonna have to take a sec uh i don't know i think telekinesis would be a fun one but it would be really weird if I couldn't consciously control it. And it was just sort of like a, a subconscious thing. Like, I just think I'm thirsty. And then a pop can floats in from the kitchen. You would just be haunted at that point, right? Like, that's just poltergeist activity. Yeah, that's pretty much just a poltergeist. So I guess having a poltergeist would be my choice. I mean, that's a pretty good one. As long as it's like generally pretty positive towards your life instead of one of these like Holman weatherman situations where yeah you get upset and then like people's ears start like flying off (laughs) 
Like if it's like a Casper situation or something or just like a helpful poltergeist, that would be that'd be pretty cool, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you could learn that you were the poltergeist all along. The real poltergeist was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> I mean, true. Well, all right. That was the Valentine's Day episode of Interesting Choices. Yep. I'm going to go order a pizza and watch Netflix with my cats. I am also going to just watch Netflix. I recently learned that there are at least five cats in my backyard. I have a bunch of weird stray cats, and so I've been watching them with my trail camera. And I thought there was just one, so I built a little cat house box thing for them. And then I pointed the camera at it, and it turns out there are at least five distinct cats. Of Yeah, you got like a warrior's colony situation going on. Yeah, I'm allergic to all of them, and so it is horrible. <laughs> uh, like, I can't bring oh, no. them in. I just have to watch them from a safe distance, because uh, they would destroy me if they ever learned my weakness. Well, on the plus side, they all looked pretty well fed, so I think they're getting taken care of somewhere in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. So like None of those cats are hard off for food. So, where can people find you on the internet, Sky? You can find me on Twitter at Shard underscore Corso. That's S-H-A-R-D underscore C-O-R-S-O. Kate, where can people find you? You can find me on TikTok and Twitter as Army of Meat. And you can find our show, uh, previous back episodes, on Spreaker. That's www.spreaker.com slash shows slash interesting choices. You can also find us in the Spreaker directory on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon, Spotify, other podcast directories. I'm sure there are a bazillion of them at this point. Yep, just uh, search Interesting Choices on your podcast service of choice. We're probably on there. And if you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash interesting choices. Donating at the $2 a level a month means you get a shout out for the entire month of your donation. And $5 level means you get to help us pick out what we're going to watch. Uh, if you have any suggestions for the show, you can drop them at our Twitter at Interesting Choice 6. That's I-N-T-R-E-S-T-I-N-G-C-H-O-I-6. Until the next time we meet, I guess. As always, thanks for watching and have a happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day if you celebrate and unhappy Valentine's Day if you don't, I guess. <laughs>